This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hi, I'm Hanif Baharudin and you're tuned in to GG Well Played, BFM's video game show. As always, we're a bit late to the party but better late than never. Coming up, the review of The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. But before that, here's a recap of some of the biggest news in the world of gaming with Ofnil Ting and Daryl Ong. Alright, thank you Hanif. Let's start with the bad news for the industry this week, specifically all the way at Epic Games. It just came out that the makers of Fortnite and Unreal Engine are laying off 16% of their workforce, which is around 830 employees. The CEO, Team Sweeney, stated in an open letter to their employees that the company has spent way more money than it earns and concluded that the layoffs are the only way to stabilise the company's finances. Now, here's the silver lining for those affected. Epic Games is making sure they are well taken care of. Severance packages that include six months of pay and healthcare are on the table. Plus, they are giving a helping hand with stock options, making it easier for employees to cash in later on. It's also worth noting that most of the layoffs are from the non-core development teams, though having said that Epic's Mediatonic, the studio behind Fall Guys, is badly affected by it. Epic Games isn't stopping there with their austerity measures, although they also cut costs by freezing hiring and spending on marketing. Despite doing all this though, they're still banking on their pivot towards the metaverse, albeit via their flagship game, Fortnite. They're shifting their focus to build a foundation for their games in this new digital world, but through Fortnite. Hmm. Bandcamp, an online music platform that the company acquired in mid-2022, is also being sold to SongTrader, a music licensing platform, while Super Awesome, a kid-friendly developer that Epic bought back in 2020, is being restructured. Some parts of Super Awesome will be independent, while others will be with Epic. While these moves may help Epic Games financially, they still have some challenges. Fortnite is still not available on the Apple App Store and Google Play Store, which affects their income. They've also faced substantial penalties from the FTC and are dealing with legal battles. But despite these hurdles, Epic Games is optimistic about the future thanks to Fortnite and the Unreal Engine. The company says that it will not cut any funding for its core businesses and will continue to invest in games with Fortnite first-party development as well as Fortnite creator ecosystem. Right, moving on. Big news from PlayStation. Jim Ryan, the president and CEO of PlayStation Sony Interactive Entertainment, will be stepping down in March next year. And what is the reason? Well, he's been finding it tough to juggle his life in the UK and his job over in the US. He's also been with Sony Interactive since 1994, even before the first PlayStation hit the scene, and he's played a massive role in shaping the company, especially in Europe. His tenure saw the launch of the PlayStation 5, which was of course a big deal. Sure, there were some hiccups due to the pandemic causing component shortages, but he managed to crank up production and meet the demand eventually. In fact, by the first quarter of 2023, they shipped a whooping 3.3 million PlayStation 5 units, making a total of 41.7 million consoles sold. And that's really no small feat. No small feat indeed. So what's next for SIE? Well, from 1st April next year onwards, Hiroki Todoki will be stepping in as the interim CEO of the company. He's really got a lot on his plate as the president, the COO and the CFO of the Sony Group Corporation. But now he's taking the reins to help define what's next for PlayStation. Plus, he's on the lookout for the next leader of the company. 
company. It's a change of guard in the world of gaming, so what's next for PlayStation? We have to wait and see. Okay, up next for fans of the FIFA games, we have some sad news from you from Electronic Arts. They've pulled all their FIFA titles from digital stores like Steam and console shops. So basically, you won't be able to buy brand new copies of older FIFA games. Ooh, this change coincides with the arrival of EA Sports FC24, but don't worry too much, you can still play some of these games if you're subscribed to EA Play, their subscription service, and if you've already bought a FIFA game digitally, you can still download it. It's unclear why EA decided to do this. However, it's slightly related to licensing issues. Mm. Last year, EA and FIFA ended their long-standing partnership in the FIFA series. EA has rebranded to EA Sports FCs, so it seems that the FIFA name will continue to pop up in gaming, not just EA-made titles. Who's going to be the next developer for the FIFA licensed football game? And can it still compete with EA Sports FC? Well, only time will tell. Well, last but not least, a very quick update on the eSports front at the Asian Games. Our Dota team is bringing back the bronze medal today in the event after the team defeated Kyrgyzstan 2-0 in the Dota 2 third place playoff. This is our second medal in eSports after the silver that we won via Arena of Valor last week. Congratulations to the Malaysian contingent. And that's all we have for you today. Back to you, Hanif. Thank you very much, Ofnil and Daryl. The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is the follow-up to the highly rated Breath of the Wild. And while Breath of the Wild has set a new standard for open-world RPGs, can the sequel achieve the same level of success? BFM Sabrina Yusuf has finished the game and here are her thoughts. Okay, so Breath of the Wild was the first game I played on the Nintendo Switch. Like, I think I got the Switch just so I can play Breath of the Wild. And before this, I hadn't like, I hadn't played any Zelda games. I don't really know the story apart from like what's just online. Um, I've seen gameplays of it, but like I've never really been, I've never experienced like the whole um, series at all. Um, but when it came out, Breath of the Wild, when it came out, it was so. I think it was just something that was so fresh at the time. Uh, and I remember like loading it up on my brand new Switch. This is the first game that I'm playing, and it just really like blew me away. Like, how could this small system? Because I got the Switch Lite, mm. and prior to this, I've only been playing like I didn't have a handheld console like since I don't know Game Boy era or something. But then I got the Switch, and then I um, was playing Breath of the Wild on it for the first time and it really blew my mind how such a, how this can exist in such a small system because mm. it was pretty it was fun and it was it was so beautiful like even though it's still the cartoony graphics which I appreciate mm. um, I don't think everything has to be like hyper realistic for it I don't think graphics need to be hyper realistic for it to look good for it to look beautiful and I think like Breath of the Wild I feel it did that very well mm. um so it was really, I felt it was kind of hard. It would be kind of hard for Tears of the Kingdom to live up to that sort of, um, I guess, reputation. I mean, I guess this applies to a lot of sequels in general. When the first game or like the first thing of anything is really, really good, then it's kind of hard to for the sequel to live up to it. But I think for Tears of the Kingdom, it did... Like, people still have only good things to say about it. I think it's a brilliant game. Mm-hmm. But there's still that... Um, there's still that uh, feeling of like, ah, oh, it's just not the same 
as the first one. Or maybe, you know, like, I can't help but feel a bit like, oh, okay, it's all right. (laughs) It's not a bad game. It's not boring. But I think the first one really, like, um, really ensnared me (laughs) in the game. Then the second one is just like, okay, now it's just kind of like uh, an extension of the first game rather than something that is good on its own, I feel. Mm. Were you happy when you found out that they are going to do a continuation of Breath of the Wild, essentially a sequel to Breath mm. of the Wild? Considering that, I think, um, when it comes to the Legend of Zelda series, they tend to create a new iteration of a game, right? I think, mm. I don't know, I might be wrong here, but if I'm not mistaken, this is probably their f- the first time that they're actually continuing, you know, of or they're doing a follow-up to... to you know, a version of a game, right? Mm. For Legend of Zelda, usually they'll tend to create a, like a different iteration of the Legend mm. of Zelda series, but this one is a direct continuation, like a sequel of sorts to Breath of the Wild, right? So yeah. when you found out that, okay, the new Legend of Zelda game is going to be a direct continuation of Breath of the Wild, like, what were your thoughts then? I was really excited. I was mm. really looking forward to it because, mm. you know, like, I really enjoyed the first game and I'm like, okay, now I can have more of it. Mm. <laughs> and there's like new stuff and I'm excited to see the new stuff um, that they're going to put in this new game. Um, and they did, uh, there's like a whole other two layers of the world, three layers of the world to explore. Mm. So you have like the, you know, the Hyrule map mm. of everything on the surface. And then there's like a depth level where you can go um, and explore uh, the depths of Hyrule, which is like this huge cavern with these monsters Um and then you have the sky level, which mm. is like all these floating islands uh, with its own shrines and its own puzzles and own little things and stuff like that. So that was cool. Um, uh, and there was a whole new set of powers that they have in the second game as well, which is very, very different from the first one. I am probably like, I don't know if I'm the minority here, but I do feel like I like the first game's powers better only because I'm not just that good. I'm not good at at utilizing the powers in Tears of the Kingdom because mm. it's very, like, uh, sandbox-y, I would feel. Mm. Like, you can, you're really free to build whatever you want with the new, with these new powers. You can build, like, a plane or a raft or, like, some weird contraption that can um, fight for you and things like that. Or you can build, like, a, like a fishing <laughs> ship kind of thing. And it's crazy, like, to see what people come up with. Mm. But for me, like, it's just... I feel like it's wasted on me because I don't have that drive to sort of like create stuff. So the whole time with the whole um, fusing ability to create things, I'm always like trying to figure out the fastest way or the most least or the least time consuming way to do it because I'm bored at it. (laughs) I'm bored of it sometimes. Uh, And it's like really, yeah, I feel like it's like wasted on me because I'm not that kind of like, yeah, I don't really like create stuff. I just want to have fun in the game, but like not in that way. Mm. Just want to like get to the next thing. Yeah. That's pretty interesting because I think uh, one of the things that people love about Breath of the Wild is is I think it has been touted as the game that changed the open world genre, right, to a certain mm. extent because of of you know, the freedom of um, being able to do whatever you want. Like mm. like in an area that looks climbable can be climbed, and and pretty much yeah, a lot of people have 
perhaps uh, said those things with regard to Breath of the Wild. I, I think mm. for Tears of, out of Kingdom, this is an extension to that, right? Um, mm. The freedom to be able to craft, you know, anything according to your imaginations. Uh, but I can understand where you're coming from. I think if I were to play this game, I'll probably be a bit like that as well, mm. in the sense that I would probably struggle to stretch my creativity to be to be able to, I guess, utilize it fully, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. yeah. Um, but going back to, I think, your earlier perception of the game, uh, let's not uh, interpret what you said the, the wrong way. I think you st- still think it's a good game. Yes, it's just totally. Yeah, it's just that, it's just that um, the impression that Breath of the Wild has uh, created on you, um, I think um, to a certain extent, perhaps uh, because you have been wowed with Breath of the Wild and, to mm. because, and because Tales of the Kingdom is a continuation of that, uh, maybe it didn't leave the same impression. Is that is that fair to say? Oh, well, yeah. But then I guess it's unfair to the game as well for, you know, to, to hold it up to that standard. Mm. Um, I still think that, that there's like still a lot of really cool new stuff um, for the sequel mm. like I, I still enjoy all the little side quests as tedious as they can be at some point I think I spent almost like I don't know if I spent 200 hours but I spent mm. a lot of time on the game and I just want to complete all the side quests but it's fun like they have these little kind of small 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 stories in these characters that they do have in the first game and then they continued it in the second game and mm. it's still as charming as it was as well um, and the fact that uh, you can kind of the quests don't, uh, they don't handhold you. No part of the game actually handholds you. And that's true for the first game as well. And mm. I, that really gives a lot of space for you to sort of like discover things. And I'm always pleasantly surprised about something. Like I didn't even know I could do this, mm. um, but apparently it's possible. And I saw someone do a clip of it online and that's how I knew about it, you know. Mm. So those kind of moments um, are still there and those are still really special. Um, and... The fact that there aren't any sort of clear quest objectives for you to do the next step, you can kind of explore and try to like deduce on your own what you're supposed to do. So the entire time I've been playing the game, and this is true to the first game as well, my Switch uh, screenshot album is just full of like dialogue from mm-hmm. the game because I want to keep track of like, oh, they said this thing or they said this thing that I could explore in this cave east of here or south of there um, and I don't necessarily have to check the um, quest log for example so it, those kind of things I feel like it feels a bit more of an adventure to me to sort of like then I can um, find my own way in the world and you know see whether this is the <laughs> the the place that I'm supposed to be sometimes it's not the place that I'm supposed to be but then I discover a new quest or like a new thing uh, in this place so I mean that's so that whole thing of the game is still there mm. and I think it's not um, it's still fun it's not I don't think it's like the same thing or repetitive or whatever that was Sabrina Yusuf sharing her thoughts on The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom let's take a short break more after this stay tuned this is Gigi Well Played on BFM 89.9 BFM 89.9, you're listening to Gigi Well Played. I'm your host, Hanif Baharudin. Sabrina Yusuf joins me on the show to share her experience playing The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, Nintendo's flagship title and the sequel to the well-rated Breath of the Wild. We're going to continue the chat by talking about the game's level design. I would like to think that the, the different layers of, of 
areas that you can explore. I mean, the depths. Because um, in a sense, also, it's a game changer in terms of, I guess, mm. making the sequel more expensive, right? Yeah. So you're basically kind of like doubling, tripling, sort of the surface area that you can explore. Mm. Um, and they work differently too. So much. Um, you know, the surface uh, level is you know your standard Hyrule kingdom. Um, some parts they do have subtle changes in the landscape or in the landmarks from the first game, according to like what's going on in the story. Um, for the deaths, there's this, there's this whole other mechanic that you have to worry about, which is um, this gloom that you have to avoid. Mm. So when you touch it, you lose a heart, and then you have to go back to the surface. You have to go to the light route to get your health back. So that I think uh, introduces another element to that level of the game so it's not it, it spices things up a little bit um, although I do feel at certain points that the depths are quite it's kind of the same thing so I mean I don't expect it to be a whole other like city like a whole new thing under there but sometimes because it's like as big as the world above going between places can seem like it's taking forever and it's like complete darkness and all the trees are the same all the cliff faces are the same um the only, I feel like the only major difference that makes it a bit interesting is that in the Goron part of the depths, where it's under the Goron city, there's lava. But like everywhere else, it's kind of the same. Sure, there's like bodies of water, but like that's about it. So I feel like it would have been so nice to see a bit more, uh, to see what they could have done with the depths, the same way that they had like all these different tropics and climates in the surface world as well. But I don't know if that's, like, too much to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. But even then, I still find myself, like, if I'm on the surface for too long, I'm like, mm, actually, let's just go to the depths for a while. It's getting boring here. And then I go down to the depths, and then I, you know, fight some monsters or whatever, and then I go back up. Because I always want to clear the map. So, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. Okay, what about the shrines and the puzzles there? Uh, mm, uh, in, like, in general? In general, yeah. I'm indifferent... I mean, I'm not really a puzzle person, so that's the thing. Mm-hmm. But I think like what both of the games, Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, did very well is that the puzzles, like even for for a non-puzzle person like me, it's still very fun. It's still I can still figure it out. It's still accessible. Very rarely like, I have to like go and look up a walkthrough because I get stuck. Because that does happen. Mm-hmm. But um, they're still fun. They're still very engaging. And because they have this whole new set of powers in the second game you are still forced to kind of like think about new ways to solve the shrines. Hmm. What about the combat mechanics? Yeah. I know, I think a minor complaint among a lot of gamers uh, for Breath of the Wild is the fact that um, your weapons <laughs> are not really, I mean, long lasting. But it's part of the charm of, of, of the, the game. Uh, did they retain that as well for, for um, Tears of the Kingdom? Yeah, so they still have the whole um, weapon durability mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Like, weapons still break, your shields still break. Um, but I never really had a problem with it in the first game. I think I'm just not that attached or I'm just too conservative with my better weapons. I just don't use them at all. Mm. But for the second game, it's like, because they have this new 
power, this fuse power where you can fuse items to your weapons to make them stronger. I think that really made a lot of the combat more... Um, it made it easier, I feel. Not easier in a, in a, in a bad way, but like there's still a challenge. But like for me, in the, uh, in the first game, I wouldn't even think about going up against a Lionel, for example, which is like so hard to beat. But in this one, I was like, okay, you know what? Let's try it out. Like, you know, I just, um, I've been holding on to this material for a while. Why don't I just fuse it to my weapon and see what happens? Mm -hmm. So I think opportunities for that are almost endless. There's so many things you can fuse to weapons and then you make them like they would have different effects. Uh, and I think the fact that it boosts your weapon punya power also is really helpful. So that's what um, makes it a bit more easier. Like I can actually like stand a chance against the biggest boss in the game that's not even tied to the story. Mm. So in the first game, I didn't really go against any of these other bosses or like I didn't... If it's not tied to the story, I wouldn't really fight them. But like in the second game, I'm like, okay, this is fun and I feel like I can do it. And I think the fuse uh, power really helped it make a lot. It made it a lot easier. Mm. Yeah. What about the story and the plot? Um, yeah, considering that it's a, it's a sequel to Breath of the Wild, um, mm. do you feel like it does a good job at, at continuing the story from from Breath of the Wild? Mm. Okay, I don't know about all the other Zelda games, mm. but it still kind of follows that same formula. Mm. Like, okay, um, Link has to save the princess. Good. I think that's a very essential part of um, the whole series. Mm. But it's still sort of like the structure is the same. I go to this one region. I finish this one boss. I recruit a companion. There's a cutscene, and then I come back, and then I do this other region. I do the same thing again. And the thing about Tears of the, Tears of the Kingdom is that at the end of each boss of that region, when you recruit that companion, it's the same cutscene, except it's a different like shot or close-up, mm. depending on whose companion or whose region it is. Mm. So I feel like it's such a... I feel like that's a bit like... Which, um, Huh? Seriously? I think you guys can pay writers to, like, you know, do something a bit different. But So you have to do that, like, four times-ish, four or five times to, again and again, um, just for the main story. So if I were to start playing um, Tears of the Kingdom or even Breath of the Wild and just, like, ignore all the other side quests and just do um, the main plot quests, it would be really boring and I know that's not what the game is made for mm. but I feel like you know there should be a little bit of a little bit of um, color in in the in the main storyline as well mm. and I don't think that's like present I wish they could have done more for that than all these other like equally cool stuff in the game but like the story also deserves that growth as well mm. um, and I don't think it's there 
Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the performance of the game. Uh, and considering that I think uh, it's 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 ambitious. It's um, an open world game. Um, it tries its best to push the hardware uh, limitations of the Switch. It's been years since this, the Switch was first released, right? So, so uh, I think Breath of the Wild managed overall managed well. Um, it runs well enough on Switch. I think a lot of people. I mean, you yourself just now you told us that you were pretty impressed by it. Um, what about Tears of the Kingdom? Um, were there any performance issues when it comes to yeah running on Switch? Considering that I think I've heard stories about how yeah there were some frame rate drops here and there. Mm. Yeah, did you experience I, any of this? No. So I haven't really. I want to say that maybe it could load a bit faster, but I don't know if that's just my attention span <laughs> <laughs> or if it's the if it's the hardware. Mm. But so far, no. Like so far, it's been pretty smooth. Like it's um. It's it's very pleasant to play in terms of like performance to me. I feel I've been playing it on the um, OLED, OLED switch. Mm. Yes, yeah. So so far it's been it's been alright. So yeah, let, let's wrap up. Um, overall, do you think that it has the same impact as Breath of the Wild with regard to um, I guess changing the landscape of you know how open world games are perceived these days, or even like you know taking it up a notch. You know, um, you know doesn't necessarily have to have the same impact. Yeah, but. But but maybe to some extent elevate elevate the yeah, conversation a lot more, right? And because mm. um, yeah, I mean we can compare it with other games that that have been released this year. But but I think yeah, just judging by being a sequel to Breath of the Wild on and and how yeah um perhaps impactful Breath of the Wild was when when it first came out. Uh, yeah, do you think that that Tears of the Kingdom also managed to to I guess meet that standard that bar? I suppose. Mm. I think in its own. In its own way, it does. Mm. Like, um, I mean, as I said, like, I guess it's a bit unfair to completely, like, hold it up to the same standard as the first game because, like, no one has ever experienced the first game, right? Mm. So it came out as something, like, so uh, life-changing. Or at least for me, it was really cool. Um, but overall, like, it's still a very fun game to play. I still, like, like spent, I don't know, I'm pretty sure I spent mm. at least 200 hours on it. It feels like a long time, but... I spent a lot of time on it. It was fun. And um, I think it just kept me wanting to to explore more of what the game has for me. Uh-huh. And I, all the other small, small quests, I even like, um, oh, if you want this special armor set. I didn't know I was going to get a special armor set. I was just following the quest. And then, oh, I'm rewarded with this cool thing that I can use. Um, so, yeah, so small, small things like that. Um, and in terms of, like, the whole genre of open world games, I feel like... I, f- I I wish more games can sort of go in the direction of like um these you know these two games mm. um Tears of the Kingdom and Breath of the Wild only because it can be really overwhelming to start an open world game. There's a lot that goes on. There's a lot of things you have to learn. Um, but for games like Tears of the Kingdom, it's it's a lot still, but it's still accessible. You can still sort of take your time with it. You can still like the there's not like a million things you have to digest when you talk to a character. Sometimes you'll talk to them, they'll like say something menial, but other times they'll have like, ooh, flavor text that you can sort of, you know, capture or whatever mm. um, and figure out later. So I think it's like, it's a nice way to, I guess, explore the world in that sense. Like it's just not so overwhelming, mm. I feel. Yeah. All right. Um, in terms of comparing it to other games, I know we don't play everything under the sun or everything <laughs> that, was, that, that has been released in, throughout this year so far but um, yeah I mean if, if I were to ask you for your prediction do you think that yeah Tears of the Kingdom can win Game of the Year this year or based on your reading of 
other games that have been released this year um, considering that there are also other you know games that have groundbreaking impact I suppose to certain extent you know games like Baldur's Gate 3 and whatnot. so mm. um, do you think that yeah, it can be an easy win for Tears of the Kingdom considering that I think Legend of Zelda is pretty popular and sometimes yeah it's a bit like oh, pretty, kind of like predictable yeah, right like people yeah. say oh yeah you know a new Legend of Zelda game you yeah. know it's groundbreaking it's good yeah. it's probably gonna win game of the year do you think Tears of the Kingdom can perhaps yeah I don't know win? I guess if you were to judge by the sheer popularity of it probably but I don't know what other games came out this year. I'm also like not so. Well, I, I mean, the most recent one is probably Baldur's Gate Three. Okay, Baldur's yeah, Gate Three. So yeah. that's that. But there are also yeah other games this year that that perhaps that have gotten a lot of good reception. Mm-hmm. I suppose to yeah. a certain extent. Although I mean yeah, it's pretty difficult to, to think of other games apart f- aside from yeah Tears of the Kingdom, right? Yeah, yeah and yeah. and Baldur's Gate Three to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people are also playing Baldur's Gate Three, so if also <laughs> going by sheer popularity, maybe Baldur's Gate Three also might win. Yeah. Um, but I mean, but that's just that can that can be a popular popularity yeah. contest, and I don't want to be uh, too too hung up on it. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I know you've done a lot of. Um, You've done almost all of the side missions, to, to be fair. Yeah, most. Yeah, side quests and everything. Uh, will you be going back to the game? Ooh, I don't think so. I really don't think so. I didn't go back to the first game. I didn't go back to Breath of the Wild as much as I enjoyed it. Um, when I was finishing Tears of the Kingdom, there were a few uh, quest lines, like side quests that I kind of like left till the end because I thought there was going to be like a post-game thing, but the game just saves right before it ends. So if I were to do anything, it would just load it back. It will have like a whole, like a little like star thing that tells me that I finished the game, but it wouldn't like continue from after you've saved the princess or whatever. Mm. Um, so I'm like, oh, Melissa. So I just didn't. I don't think I'm gonna. I would go back. I'm. I'm also not the type of person to replay games anyway. Mm, yeah, yeah. Same. Same. You're tuned in to GG Well Played and that was BFM's Sabrina Yusuf talking about Nintendo's The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. If you'd like to listen to this episode again, look for the podcast on pfm.my, our app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can also find this podcast and many others on Spotify. Do share your thoughts and the games that you play via our email, ggwp at pfm.my. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Sanif Baharudin. Thanks for joining us. Game on and please take care. This has been GG Well Played. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.